Blog Talk Radio. The New African Broadcast speaks to the free-thinking movement that we see emerging in the minds of today's black youth of America. African youths must be re-educated to the scientific reasoning found in natural law if this movement is to reach its full potential. Inshallah, the African American will break free of non-scientific and tribal thinking paradigms that fail to counter immoral behavior as well as limit solid economic progress in African American communities. As-salamu alaykum. Take the chains off me, get this modern day slave offering, I'm just trying to be free, I love life, I'm just trying to be me, and I don't really care what society says, cause if I left it up to them, I'd probably be dead, but no, I feel the blood pumping through my veins like, the people need to stop and get some things right, let's get back to the family, I don't like the news, but the news talk tragedy and politics. Red and blue, two sides with the gang of you Make a vote for it, make a song that can maybe grab a quote from it Don't let the revolution leaders never run from it My mind is see what come from it Find King standing in the heat like the bus coming And I don't need luck, I've been blessed from the most time Trying to go more time Cause the people say they want it But the people never realize the rain till it's storming What's up? Brother, you taking the ghetto, you find a whole lot of crime I can understand, hey, I know what it means. That's one thing the educators and the politicians and the establishment got to remember. Now, brother, please, y'all. I'm ready for it, my focus up. My fist in the ass so they know it's us. Young black leaders, new Africans, they can't wrap trash in some new packaging and try to sell it to me. I'm cool loud in the streets with a college degree. I work for it. Ain't nobody got it for me. I can give you my reality, gon' sell you a dream. I'm solo to the dolo, could sell you a team. But I practice what I preach, I can sell a belief. Cream rise to the top, bulls set up beneath. Before you jump out the block, first set of your feet, and run for it. If you want it, you should go for it. Break the reverse, only go for it. Pray for it till you're so sure you walk on faith, blindfolded by the brochure. Uh, Stevie Wonder to my worst critic. Seemed like another leaping when I first did it. Worked all night, no sleep, put a bread on the table and the shoes on my feet. I'm so the definition of the definition. About time I got some recognition. And I told him to take the chains off me. In this modern day slave off me. So you got to have mind power to deal with salvation. And that's what we're dealing with. See, we can't go back to the biblical story of two loaves of bread. Or two little fishes, five loaves of bread. Two little fishes, yeah. You know what? You can't eat dust. You know what? You can't eat. You know what? You can't eat dust. You know what? You can't eat. Assalamu alaikum. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. With the name Allah, 
the most merciful benefactor, the most merciful redeemer. Ashadu in la ilaha illallahu wa la sharika lahu. I bear witness that there's nothing worthy of worship except Allah and Allah alone. Wa ashadu anna Muhammad and Abduhu wa la suhulu. And I bear witness openly that Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is his last servant and his last prophet. I'd like to greet all of our listening audience today to a a new edition of A New African. And I'd like to now give you the greetings of peace in the Quran and Arabic language. As-salamu alaykum. Good evening. My name is Imam Muslim Shaheed. And tonight we are going to have a brief discussion on Black History Month. It's titled Black History Month, Myth or Meaning. We want to talk tonight about what does Black History Month, or more specifically, I like to say African American History Month, but I use the term Black History Month because that's what's well used today in the public uh, society. But we like to talk today about really what does Black History Month mean to our young people particularly uh, young African-American people, is it just a myth? Is this mythology? The things we talk about, the things we flash back on in the history of the African here in America for over 400 years, is it just something made up? Or does it have any real meaning, not only on past times, but for present times and even for the future. So this is what we'd like to discuss today. You can call in to this radio broadcast and also express your opinion. The call-in number is 646-368. That's 646-668-8368. Call in, and if you have a question, uh, you can press 1 on your phone, and then I will bring you into the discussion I'd not like to bring on my host, Brother Yassin Shahi, and give him the greetings. Assalamu alaikum, Brother Yassin Shahi, and good evening. Walaikum assalam. Good evening. How you doing, brother? Pretty good, alhamdulillah. I know we had had this discussion, Brother Shahi, uh, some time ago, and you had brought it to my attention and I'm sure you have some things that you want to bring forth, being a young African-American uh, individual and an African-American Muslim, an entrepreneur, and a businessman. So I know you have some things you want to put forth here. And so I already you heard me talk about already in brief about Af- Black History Month, African-American History Month. I'd just like for you to cue in now, Brother Shahid, and give me your, your uh, opinion on Black History Month. Is this a myth? I call it a myth or a meaning. I mean, I have my own ideas and my own feelings, but I'd like for you to uh, give me what you, your thoughts on it. Uh, well, I wouldn't say a myth because anything that uh, was uh, accomplished in the uh, in the United States by African by an African American. And it's recorded in history. We can so-called 
it African American history or uh or black history. Now, I don't know the origins of the 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 name black history because if I say black history I'm going to just put it all in one whole as in the African American progress in the United States and the African period of anybody of dark skin color is considered black history. You see what I'm saying? Now we can break it down as African American history, but me personally, I would say that in the whole, if I'm going to say black history, I'm going to include even the African history as well. Um, not in America, but in Africa as well, in other continents around the whole world. So we have to uh, we have to come to a, a, a conclusion of what we're going to use and and be bringing awareness as well of what actual history needs to be brought up. Uh, so that's my uh, that's my view on actual just saying black history. Now, you did say African-American history, so if we say African-American history, then we can just put it all in one hole as well. So American history, because anything that was progress in African-American, we say African-American, I mean, it's American history as well. We can agree okay. on that. Okay, well, all right. I, I agree on that to that point about anything that occurred in uh, the United States uh, of and African people, people of African descent, uh, were involved in. Of course, you involved in it from day one because they brought you over here on the ship. <laughs> so we can know we we involved in in American history. But I do see your point about black. You're right. There are black people. But all let me over pause you. Let me let me pause you on that too. Let me pause you on that. Yeah, we was brought on the ship, but guess what? Before the ship, it was blacks. <laughs> that did some right. progress in America back in, as recorded as the 8th century. So African-American okay. history, and we will say as the European, okay, this is recorded from the 16th century up to current as of today. So me, okay. we can say, you know, Africans has been on the American, North American, North America, including South America continent, as we will say, you know, as early as the 8th century, and there's a lot of documents and artifacts to prove that. All right, well, I, let me let me finish up my point here. Okay, I got you. I, I don't know completely if I agree with you completely, Brother Shahid, about North America. I do know that there, there, is, there is sufficient evidence that suggests that the African was in the South American, uh, uh, Caribbean, South American, even as far as Australia in the 8th and ninth century. But going back to you brought up a real good point that there are people of dark skin color all around the world, uh, specifically in Asia. We have the uh, Lachosians, the, the Cambodians, and even some people from Vietnamese that are of dark skin color. Uh, Thailand, they're very dark. In fact, some of them are so dark, they're black and black. And but they don't they're not considered African because they're not from Africa. So you're right. You probably need to um you probably need to be more specific when we talk about 
uh, African-Americans in, in general, and that's probably why we should use the term African-American. You brought up a good point, because when you say black history, unless you be specific and talk about a struggle or a cause or you want to get into some specific uh, aspect of um, of American history or world history, no one's not going to know you what you're talking about, black history much. You could be talking about some people from Cambodia or Thailand. So I agree with you on that in that sense. Uh, good point. But again, I refer you back to when I said myth or meaning, I, I, I know that there's documentation history, but when I'm suggesting it to you, do our young people really appreciate what they hear, what they see on TV, or what they read? Because, you know, you can talk about there used to be a black Wall Street, right, in, in, in mm-hmm. Tulsa, Oklahoma. You can talk about Madam C.J. Walker. We're going to talk about some of these people later on tonight. I'm going to bring it up in our discussion. But the fact of the matter is all we see is entertainers and athletes who are making any money, and they're not really running no businesses. When you hear about it, they claim they run all these businesses. But look at uh, 50 Cent. Come to find out, all he had was about 50 cents worth of vitamin water. He owned one percent of the company, but the way it made it came out was that 56 owned the water company. But then when he went to court, he didn't really own hardly anything in that water company. He had a he owned 50 percent, 0.5 percent of one percent of vitamin water. So mm-hmm. when you hear about these things, that's just one example. We can talk about uh, many other African American businessmen and people in general, is that we hear about all the great things we've done in history, but it's almost like a myth to our kids. It's like Mercury, who used to fly with wings on his feet, or like Zeus, the, the Greek god, because you don't see no black people controlling them. Nothing about the closest we see a black man controlling something is President Barack Obama. So that's why I bring this up and say, is this is it this myth? Or does it have meaning? If you ask the if you ask the average African American youth, name me five people, African American people in history, that changed the course of America. I bet you you wouldn't get. You might get George Washington Carver, and that's about it. Maybe you get uh, you might get Benjamin Banneker. No, you're gonna get George Washington Carver and Martin Luther King. And you might you might get Elijah Muhammad. And that's about it. Right. Okay. I see where you're going with it, but I wouldn't say a myth. It's just that person as an individual will appreciate it themselves. Uh, I know me growing up. I was always. Uh, fascinated with African American history, uh, even African history. I remember as a child. I mean, you telling me about the Moors, the Great Moors that went into Spain, went into Europe, and developed so many things that we use today. That was, you know, fascinated to me. You know, I rather hear that than hear some boring European history. In fact, I think I made no more than a B 
No, I'm I'm lying. Let me take that back. No more than a D in American U.S. history because when you in uh, certain levels of school, you take U.S. history, you take Texas history, uh, uh, and then you take like a uh, like a, a geography slash history course. So what I'm saying is that was born to me. It needs to be somewhere they need to incorporate black, or should we say, African-American history in our schools because they're not learning enough. They might not be fascinated because the young ones, they're not learning. See, they're not learning what uh, I learned. You see what I'm saying? So when they go, when black history come around, I, I really don't know how much they're teaching in these schools. I mean, like you said, you might learn about George Washington Carver, Frederick, Fre- Frederick Douglass, uh, Malcolm X. And then when you learn about Malcolm X, you don't learn the whole deal about Malcolm X. You don't learn about Elijah Muhammad. And this is another thing we need to bring up in, later in our discussion. You only learn about a good five or six group of people out of that whole 28 or 29 days. They might put someone uh, the intercom, as you coming into school as a child, say, hey, did you know Blase, Blase, Blase discovered this? You know, and then out of the whole year, you're learning nothing but American white folks' achievements. So we, I, I believe, you know, as an individual, it's, it's, it's different how you was brought up, how you was raised, because I've seen certain uh, children as me being a witness last uh, Sunday at the Sunday school at Masjid What If You Deem Muhammad, these kids, some of these kids, they, they in the age of 7 to uh, 15, they know about their history. And I think they are, uh, they're they fascinated about it. So they know about it. So as an individual, if you know all you knew was a slave, you're going to think like a slave and, you know, <laughs> Me personally, that's what the whole deal is. This whole white supremacy, they got it to where you, you they don't want you to know your history because you're going to you might raise up. You well, might raise up. We know, I mean, I feel good about learning about Bilal in uh uh Islamic history well as African history. I feel good that Bilal the 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 first Muaddin in Islam, the first Muaddin in Islam, I feel good about that. I'm fascinated brother, about you, that. Could you explain to the people what the Muaddin, a Muaddin is? I'm sorry, for our listeners, the Muaddin is the one who calls the prayer, the Athan, when it's prayer time. Uh, we call that the Athan. It's the one who calls the prayer when the five daily prayers Throughout the day, uh, you will hear the Athan, the call of prayer. Not just the call of prayer, but it's also called the call to success. So, not going to depth with that, I feel good about Bilal and his struggle. That's the African, see, there we go. That's African history. But you're not going to learn about Bilal in right. America. You're not going to learn about Bilal. So it's certain things that need to be taught uh, to the uh, the youngest. Now I see I've been seeing the last couple of weeks uh, since well last week actually well well the Super Bowl the, the recent Super Bowl Beyonce her halftime show she did a deal where she was 
uh, representing, you know, a movement. Uh, she she did something for the Black Lives Matter movement. She kind of put everything out there. They had the afros. They was almost trying to look like the Black Panthers. So with that being said, now she put that out there. Um, me personally, she could have did it a better way. But uh, I've been seeing a lot of posts and stuff on Facebook about, yeah, did you know about Black Panthers? Did you know about this? Did you know about that? Even PBS did a documentary last night. I didn't catch it. Uh, they did a documentary about Black Panthers. So I think it's just getting to where we, not just for 28, now it's 29 days this year, I think it needs to be out 365. And, you know, the youth might be, you know, take interest What's in this Black you history. That up? Well, since you brought that up about uh, the time period, I'm going to give a little uh, uh, history here on Black History Month. Uh, actually, it was originally called Negro History Month, and uh, Negro History Month was proposed by uh, the educator and writer Carter G. Woodson. This was in 1926, I think. Carter G. Woodson, he proposed uh, Negro History Actually, it's called Negro History Negro History Week, pardon me. And Negro History Week was observed for a few uh, uh, educated, uh, I guess, systems of education, a few schools, a few academic schools, maybe a few colleges. It wasn't really widespread. But finally, in I think around 1950, around the early 1950s, Negro History Week began to be practiced by all African Americans. Around, um, around the United States. And then in 1976, so this is a recent, not too recent, 50, 50 years, uh, 40 years, 1976, it became Black History Month, and it was, and it's, we practiced it for the whole uh, 30 days or the whole 28 days, all 28 days of February. So, or 29 days, depending upon, you know, the, the time of year based on the lunar calendar. So, so that's the history of uh, of this particular month. It was, like I said, again, it was originally Negro History Week, and it was only uh, observed or practiced for a week by Carter G. Woodson. And Carter G. Woodson, ladies and gentlemen, wrote a very interesting book. I would recommend everyone who's never read this book to get this book and purchase it. It's called The Miseducation of the Negro. The Miseducation of the Negro by Carter Woodson. So I just wanted to interject that, Brother Shaheed, when you talked about how it should be uh, celebrated. And, you know, some people say, well, we shouldn't do a, a Black History Month. Even some European Americans, some white people, say, well, well right. you know, why are you guys doing, and I don't know if you've heard that. What, what is your point on, on that? Uh, I know last, was it last month, with the Oscars, uh, you know, something Jada Pinkett made a video. She was saying, hey, we need to boycott the Oscars because there's not enough black actors. No no black actors were nominated for an Oscar. Uh, not, uh, just to kind of speed it up a little bit, Stacey Dash, she's a, uh, she was, she is, I don't know if she act or, I don't know what she do. 
She models, she acts, Stacey Dash, she's, uh, she represents Fox. Uh, she was on the news, and she made a comment saying, well, hey, look, if we want integration instead of segregation, we need to get rid of stuff like BET, Black History Month, you know, we're doing a double standard here, blase, blase. I would have to disagree with her on that. I mean, that's ignorant because if black people as of today, you need all the history right now because the way we're going right now, some of these guys, they just getting wiped out. I mean, some blacks, all they do is just wait for the sun to come up and come down, long as their bills get paid. They have no knowledge to bring teach their offspring. It's mm-hmm. a shame that you this, I mean, if you're about 30 to 60 years old and you have not teach your offspring, you got any children, you not have teach them any information, history about yourself, all you, I mean, you, you, you're done. Your lineage is done. Okay, you will continue to breed slaves. That's me. So for not having, we need all of the black history. We need, it needs to be, in fact, they need to redo some of these history books. They need to redo some of these history books. Last year, it was around November or October, I know you heard about this, with the, uh, it was down there in Pearland, in here in Houston, Texas, Pearland, in the suburbs. It was maybe Pearland High School or Manville High School, where one of the books in history, the book said uh, such and such in 1600s, the, there were Africans that came to America as workers. As you yeah, say... Yeah, you heard about that, and the and the student she brought it to her uh, his mother, and it went viral on social media. Had over like two million views. She got like a whole bunch of interviews. I mean, even the textbooks uh, company they would say, "Hey, we apologize. We will do. We will rewrite the whole deal." As you say, right. they sanitize the information. We that I mean that's ridiculous. Right, and I and I agree with you. It is ridiculous, and, and a lot of that is done to uh, try to. Uh, well, let me rephrase it in another way. There is a movement. There is a, I wouldn't say an underground movement, but there is a very quiet and subtle movement by the uh, intellectual, the young intellectual, uh, white educational establishment. When I say young, I mean younger than 45 years of age. That's what I mean by young. There is a quiet but but persistent movement to try to rewrite the history, such as to take the blame off of their grandparents and also to uh, make their younger white uh, people or you feel like they don't have any shame. So right. you see this. You see this not only uh, in the grade school, but it's even on the collegiate level. Level where they're trying to rewrite the history, such that like you know, 
it really wasn't that bad. That right. and, and then African American people are, are pretty much in the in the situations that they deal with today by choice, and they even try to do it in the regular television and media, whereas you know twenty five years ago, you only saw African American kids in uh, commercials or in the media doing certain things, doing certain dances, saying certain phrases and words. Now you see young white kids in commercials break dancing, spin and pop and lock in. It's just to say we've been doing this all along with everybody else, you see. So that's called sanitizing. And over a period of time, if you keep doing that, you know, within 50 years, the people born 50 years from now, they won't even know the difference. And if and if you allow the books to be uh, corrupted the way you brought up, then they even more so won't really know what happened. What happened? They'll just kind of downplay the situation of slavery in America, and also slavery all over the world, particularly slavery in America. But at the same time that they downplaying that, or they try to correct that. When I say they, I mean again this establishment of educated white people trying to make it seem like we all equal or it really wasn't that bad, at the same time, you don't see them making an effort to bring in some of the African-American people of the past who have to progress the progression of the United States. You don't see them making them corrections and trying to say, yeah, we all was the same. We had people, African-American people, building companies, building buildings, building bridges, doing research. You don't see them doing that. But they try to do it the opposite way around and make it seem like everything else is just, well, it wasn't that bad. It was, yeah, we had slavery, but it wasn't that bad. And since you brought that up, uh, let me just introduce some things uh, that's not normally directly in the literature about African Americans. And I want you to think about, and I listen, audience, to think about the social and economic impact that it has had on the progress of the United States. Let's look at Louis Latimer. Everybody thinks that Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, and he's given credit for revolutionizing the uh, industrial world here in America. And, you know, everything about Edison, they even got companies named after him, Con Edison, Edison Electric. But quiet as it is kept, quiet as it's kept, Edison light bulb was not efficient. It, it wouldn't even stay lit for, for a few seconds. And Edison didn't even attempt to make his light bulb even more practical. He just came up with the invention. But it was Louis Latimer, the guy that actually worked with Edison and helped write much of, many of his patents, his patents, because Edison had over a thousand patents. He developed the light bulb to the point that it was practical. He developed a filament that would burn for hours, whereas Edison's only burned for a few minutes. And it was Louis Latimer who basically jump-started and kicked off the electric company. And not only that, he went all over the world, particularly Europe, because he couldn't get anybody to back him in America. So he went to Europe, and he had light systems all over Europe, England, Germany, and France, long before the United States had put up their network system of lighting. Right. That's Louis Latimer. 
another young man by the name of Jan Mexicla. He was a inventor, an African American inventor, who saw the necessity to speed up the shoe industry because they used to make all these shoes by hand. He developed a device called the lasting machine, and the lasting machine could produce hundreds of shoes in an hour versus how many we could produce in, you know, just one or two people working on trying to make shoes. So you can see the economic impact and the revolution of industry. These are two African-American men. You don't hardly hear anything about them in the literature. Percy Julian. Percy Julian was a biochemist, organic biochemist, who lived in Chicago, Illinois. His main contribution, he developed uh, new type of painkillers and inflammation modifiers. He, he, he developed them from plant extracts. We call these uh, uh, painkillers and anti-inflammatory agents nowadays, we call them steroids. That was Percy Jr. He's the one who developed a method, and it took him 36 steps to develop a method of synthesizing hydrocortisone, which we used to get it from plants. And it was very expensive. And basically, the uh, establishment ran Percy Jr. out of business. He wound up, he wound up giving it to him for $2 million after about a 15-year struggle. They bombed his house in Chicago. Uh, set fires and stuff in his yard, and uh, when he lived, because he lived in an exclusive area in Chicago. This was in the 50s now. And uh, But anyway, you should read about the history of Percy Julian. Charles right. Drew, you're supposed to kick. Charles Drew helped establish the first blood bank during World War II. He didn't develop tr- blood transfusions, but he d- did develop a system of organizing uh, human blood plasma samples and also keeping them fresh so that they could be used to save lives during World War II. Lord Hall, which I consider one of the greatest scientists that ever lived, African-American, he pioneered the development of preservatives for foods and meats. A lot of these preservatives that's used in foods and meats, it was an African-American who did that. Matter of fact, a lot of the meats, actually, when you get the meat, when it's slaughtered and it's cut, it's really a brown color, but people don't like a, a brown color. They've done market studies. People don't like brown color. So what Lord Hall did, Lord Hall developed certain compounds that you put in the meat, it'll keep it red because once the meat is exposed to air, it'll turn brown in a couple of days. So what the what the people in the meat industry do, did, they use these preservatives that Lord Hall developed and put in the meat and that kept that meat nice and bright and red, and then people would buy. When you see meat is dull, that means the preservative had been used up, and that's why it's turning back to its original color. Dr. Lord Hall. And then we could go on. Madam C.J. Walker, an African-American woman, saw the need for certain products for female hair care. She developed a whole line of hair products for female hair care. She was so successful that Madam J. Walker became America's first black female millionaire. This is actually recorded. She was the first African-American, the first black female to become a millionaire. And I'm going to finish up here, brother. I want you to listen very carefully here. 
Laura Quarterman. Do you know who Laura Quarterman was, Brother Yassine? I I believe so. Okay, tell me what you know about Laura Quarterman. I believe he was the one who helped the uh, in war, World War Two. Is either one or two. He was one of the scientists that came in and helped infuse. Uh, what would you call that compound? Did the nuclear fusion to create a nuclear bomb? Okay, uh, World War Two. Lord Quarterman, along with six other African American scientists, worked on the Manhattan Manhattan Project in Chicago. Excuse me, under Wrigley Stadium. They worked on this for years and years to help develop the atomic bomb that was used against the Japanese. Lord Quarterman, Quarterman worked directly with uh, Albert Einstein, okay? He worked directly with Albert Einstein, and he, with his input, he helped develop the uh, atomic bomb. Now, uh, and also, it was not just Quarterman, Ralph Gardner, Edward A. Russell, Jer- er- Ernest Wilkins, Harold Delaney, Benjamin Scott, Jes- Jasper Jeffries, and Modi Taylor, all these individuals have worked on atomic bombs. Uh, Brother Yassina, you moving something around? I can hear some noise. I don't know if it's me or you. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm moving around. I'm moving around. Uh, okay, all right. You might want to put that on mute until I, until I get through. And then, la- and then lastly... Patricia Bath, first African-American uh, female to complete a residency in ophthalmology and also the first African-American female to receive a medical patent. So these are some of the African-Americans that you don't hear about in history in the textbook that have made a great contribution to the uh, uh, development and the progress of American science and America Industrial Revolution. You got any questions on this, Brother Shahid, before we go to a break? Yeah, so what, I mean, what you said is brilliant, very brilliant. Now, here's the deal. Everybody don't know this. The question is, how do we get this information put out on the mass level? How do we get this information put on the mass level? Not just even in America, worldwide. This needs to be worldwide. Okay, well, I want you to hold that thought. We're going to go to a break. If you have a question, you can call in there. Our call-in number is 646-668-8368. Or if you have a comment, you can call in now, 646-668-8368. We're going to go to a break uh, in just one moment. So do stay tuned.
Yeah, this is Donald from San Antonio. We gave her a bath, and we started rubbing her down with um, with the XLSO, and she has had complete, complete moisture in her skin ever since. Excel Nutraceuticals All Natural Base SO has been scientifically developed for the management of eczema and psoriasis. For more information, go to xcel-n.com. My name is uh, Dr. Karen Holly, and I am the senior pastor at Lifeway Church, and I'm also a psychological therapist. My grandson, Christian Turner, and he uses SO, and he has eczema, and so it's just worked wonderfully for him. Tried bump stop. I've tried all kind of stuff. <laughs> By my skin, you would never believe. Uh, people don't believe anymore that I used to have hair bumps except my friends. It cleared it up. No more dry patches. Even the the patches that would come around. Nutraceuticals, all natural products. Call today at one eight hundred nine seven seven three nine eight one. I actually brought it for my daughters. They and my daughters really my their hair has gotten so much thicker, it's gotten longer and they feel it's like they had a ball like ball spots on the side of their head. But um ever since uh, we've been using it, they no more their hair has actually grown. Excel Nutraceuticals All Natural Base HGS has been scientifically developed for the control of eczema of the scalp and hair regrowth. For more information, go to www.xcel-n.com. Yes, hi. My name is Carmen. About a year ago, I had ordered three of the jars of the Excel HGS, and I'm here to tell you, Oh, it really, really worked. It stopped my hair from thinning out. My hair is just beautiful, and I'm just so very well pleased. Nutraceuticals, all natural products. Call today at 1-800-977. The new African broadcast is sponsored by XL Nutraceuticals. XL Nutraceuticals produces and manufactures all natural products that help promote clear skin and healthy hair growth. Visit XL Nutraceuticals at www.xcel-n.com or call 1-800-977-3981. And now, back to the new African broadcast.
Assalamu alaikum. This is a new African. I'm your host, Imam Ibn Shaheed. We're discussing Black History Month myth or meaning. If you want to call in now and chime in and give your comments, you can do so. You can call 646-668-8368. That's 646-668-8368. I have on the line also, hit me now, uh, Yasin Shaheed, my co-host here. And I'm going to bring him back on the line. Assalamu alaikum, Brother Shaheed. Welcome back to the show. Okay, I want you to pick up on what you were talking about earlier about how we're able to know what we know, what we can do to get this kind of information out, I guess, in the general public, maybe in the schools or, I don't know, maybe in the churches and the mosques. I'm just asking you for your input here. Well, the question is, is, how important is black history to the ones who are in control in our uh, our in our schools? Is it really important to them? See, they don't white folks. They don't care. It's I mean it, it has no meaning to them. And you ask me, do we need a black history? Yeah, we need a black history. You got Columbus Day. Do you know what Columbus Day is? Columbus Day is a day where they celebrate the Italian heritage, the history, the accomplishments of Christopher Columbus. You have a Cinco de Mayo Day for the Hispanics, the the Mexicans. So you have all these federal days, and to say not to have a black history, we need some recognition for ourselves. Every every culture around the whole globe has a day of, of achievement. It can be from uh, for for freedom. You know, you have certain days for freedom, certain days for accomplishments. Yeah, we need a black history month. We need all the history put out there. Now, we need to put the correct history because it's getting to a point where technology will will ruin will ruin the whole history. And what I'm saying, technology, because you can get on the internet and it's so much information that's out there, sanitized, like you say. And the youth, first thing they're gonna do is Google. Everybody's best friend, Google. When you go on Google. You know, what I found out as being a businessman on Google, you can have Google AdWords. It's a marketing uh, tool where you can post advertisements, pay Google to have your top posting on the search engine. Once you type in a particular uh, uh, name in the search engine of Google, that will pop up. Or whatever you, whatever that is, if it's automobiles, if it's history, African American, a particular person, place, thing, or idea, it will pop up, and you have so much, so much information out there. It could be people out there paying just to have your dumb self 
bamboozled, still bamboozled, because nine times out of ten, guess what? The average man, he gonna click, he ain't going to scroll through all those pages. It might be some real information out there that you on page 30. By the time you get on page 30, you burnt out. Now, real right. historian, he's going to take the time out and do his correct research. But majority of these youth, they're going to take something, hey, okay, it's here. Then it popped up on here from the same person. He can, That's one person he can have so much information, and he'll just have it on different blogs and different sites. Mm-hmm. Well, then that means, that means people like yourself are going to have to decide to get out there and make sure that that we have to do it on the mass. Well, I'm going to say you have to get out there. You're going to have to get out there and make sure that you get that information out there so that people can have access to it. Otherwise, like you said, people are going to put what they want to put out there and uh, distract people or or get people off on another tangent away from where the direction they should be going uh, in order to get the correct uh, information on particular people in African-American history. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Right. So that goes back to where, you know, it has to be uh, not more of of, uh, on the technology side. I mean, we can still use the Internet as a source of information, but we still have to put it in the schools. We still, the children has to raise up learning his history. He has yeah, to know. But, school, but, but, but you know what? But you know what, though? But you know what, though? I'm going to tell you like this, and we're going we're gonna to be live and direct because some of these guys don't want to know their history. I have spoken, you know, to a lot of African Americans. They do not want to know their history either. They'd rather have a couple of, uh, know about Martin Luther King, okay, uh, Frederick Douglass, uh, the Black Panther Party, that's it. One time I got into a discussion, uh, and I don't recommend anybody to do this. I mean, if you're on a, a job site, one thing you shouldn't do is talk about religion and politics because you can you can lose your job and you are really, you, you can get in really deep stuff. So anyways, Making a long story short, I asked this brother, we was talking, and I t- I say, well, hey, look, do you know what you was doing before slavery? Where did you actually come, come from? What was you really doing? I don't want to know about it. All I know is my family is from East Texas. So you don't want to know anything about your history? All I know is I'm from East Texas, and you know he, he, he. I can see the attitude. I can hear it in his voice. That because if you bring up certain history, it would disturb. It would disturb them, mentally, physically, and spiritually. It would disturb them because they're in the point in their life now. They're comfortable. All like I said, they rather see the sun come up, sun come down. As long as they bills are paid. They are right, because they've been living this long. They've been living this long, so what, I mean, it ain't, I mean, what good is it going to do? See, here's the deal that you have to recognize. It's not about you. It's about your offspring. You well, yeah, but to. somebody could think, somebody could think, well, yeah, but, but if I 
I did it, made it, it's all right for me, they'll be all right. Right. You know, it's the same thing when I'm I I'm just say, saying that's the, I'm just saying that's what people could think, you know. Well, they don't need to know all this information. You know, I'm I'm doing all right, you know, I got a roof over my head, I got some food in the refrigerator, they don't need to know all this. But then, there you go. There you go, you see. That's why the white that's why white folks say ain't putting it in the in in the system because she you don't care no how. You really don't care. You don't really care about your history. Every time something happened to a black man, you want to jump up and, and talk about, well, we need to do this, we need to do that. You don't really care. I was listening to the radio, 979. It was down here in Houston, Texas. Uh, some things had happened. I don't know the full scoop. I was listening to the Mad Hatter show, and so I guess a group was trying to, they was like, hey, some of these HISD schools, there was like six or seven of them. They said, hey, we want you to change the name because it has ties to uh, slavery, confederacy. It has too many ties with slavery. So when they said well, some money to be involved, millions of dollars to be involved to change the school name, they say, hey, oh, you know, they backed up. <laughs> but right, the funny right. thing is, like I said, when something jumps up, it's like monkey see, monkey do. Now, every, now you want to want to change the school. You can go down there and change your name and, change, and make history today. You can make history today. If you don't want any ties to slavery, you can go down in his, uh, uh, downtown and change and change your name for uh, not even a big fee. You can change your name. You can uh, uh, liberate yourself. You can. Uh, 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 change the way how you think. You can break all slavery ties. But how so, do you think? You, what I'm saying is, you wait. Well, well, hold on, let me finish. Let me finish. So every day is history. First of all, for an individual, if you do anything, if you create a product, you do. Uh, if you hey, you save. Millions of people, for example, you help the Detroit, the, the Flint, Michigan resident, the, uh, the the people. You help their skin problems. You clean all the contaminated water. That's history. History can start today. Your every move is recorded. We know as Muslims, uh, every 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 word coming out of my mouth, every step is being recorded. Everything is being recorded once you out the womb. It's being recorded. So history is already in the making as an individual. You have to create history for your offspring as well. Your your son or your daughter might say, hey, look, you ain't did nothing. You ain't did nothing. All you did was go to work and come home and pay the bill. So history is in the making as an individual. But, like, I don't want to get off the tangent either. So what I'm saying is, We can change things once somebody wants to make a change uh, uh, heartedly. When I say heartedly, if you really want to change, if we really want to incorporate black history more into, shoot, hey, you need to be in American history too because African-American progress is considered as American history, period. That's in the whole. I mean, if you don't want to say, if you want to say, hey, we need to get rid of black history, well, shit, put it into damn American history. Excuse my language. 
Put it in there. That book should be thick. That book should be thick, real thick. Matter of fact, it should be about three or four parts. But what I'm saying is, is this is what I'm saying. I, I, I got you across the. What I'm saying is, if the, uh, if the European Americans have spent a, a long time resisting putting information in their textbooks and not, and, and keep in mind, I know we all citizens, black, white, brown, yellow, and we all pay taxes. But if they, back to your position, your question you raised earlier. If they're not putting the information in our text or in the text period sufficiently enough, then without some uh, strong position on us uh, intellectuals, what's to compel them to do so? They're just going to keep doing the same thing. What I'm saying is I hear your point, but do we have enough or there's sufficient enough educated African-Americans that are pushing, you know, 100-plus trying to get information put in the literature. Because my position is I don't think many African-Americans, American intellectuals, educators, and even grassroots thinkers want to put all that in the history books. I think they're content, like you said earlier, because all they wanted was a small crumb they don't want a piece of the pie. They just want a small crumb. Because look at if you put all this in history. If you put all this in history about Louis Latimer and about uh, uh, Jan Messinger and about uh, Percy Julian, you can't stop there. You would have to go all the way back to, to uh, uh, Elijah Muhammad and Noble Drew Ali and Marcus Garvey. You're not going to be able to stop there. You have to go all the way back. Back to Africa, all the way back across the water. You're going to have to go all the way back, even before we came over here on the motherships. And you got to go back and look at Mansa Musa, Askil Muhammad, Muhammad Torre. Well, that's going to upset everything. Because now you, the, the, the preacher is going to have a hard time explaining to his flock, to his sheep, why the hell are you still teaching milk and honey? The revolutionary is going to have a hard time in his flock. Why are you still hitting the crackpot talking about power to the people? And even the atheist is going to have a hard time saying to his flock. So it's a lot easier to just accept what you have and everybody benefits. And I suggest to you, young man, that if it's going to be done, that young people like yourself are going to have to make a push and do it outside the classroom. Outside the institution, you're going to have to have your own educational facilities, maybe like you said, on Sunday or on Saturdays or on Fridays, right? And you're going to have your own institution educating your people. I mean, that's just my position. Right. So you're saying that really either way it goes, it's still going to be the same unless us youngins make a change. They ain't going to put no type of black history. Well, we know there is African-American history in school. We know that, period. We know they, they say uh, a couple of things when black history comes around at that. And certain levels of school, if you go on a college level, yeah, then you can actually take an African-American history course. But mm-hmm. you saying that 
either way it goes, it's still going to be the same. I don't see any major push in, in being in education myself for many years now. I don't see, you know, this is the year 2020. I mean, when it, how difficult is to write in Percy Julian? I mean, how difficult is to write in Noble Drew Ali? It just, it don't take but a paragraph, a couple of paragraphs. So um, what I'm saying is that if, they're not, if they haven't done it now, what's going to compel them to do it in the future? I'm saying the only way it's going to get done is young and educated people are going to have to demand that it's done. I mean, people, the teachers that are going to get their teacher certification, the, the, the educators, they're going to have to demand that it's done, and they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to actually do it in the classroom and challenge the system. Say, well, you, this is the history. Well, the state of Texas, this is not what we got in the book. Okay, but the state of Texas gives me a little leeway. I'm just using my little leeway. But what you need to do is go down there at the TEA the next time you have a meeting, and all you teachers need to go down there, go down there and have them put that in there. And if all these white teachers are saying, all these gay people, LBGT people, they claim they with you, ask them to go down there too. You're going to find most of them not going to go because that goes against their agenda. But have them to go down and since you support me, support me on this. Support me on making sure, like you said, that black history is elegantly interwoven into American history. From the day we own the ship, to the day we marched on Washington in 1963. Have us interwoven into that. And then you may see African-American youth, particularly male African-American youth, look at each other a little bit different. Because right now, again, if you're not a basketball player or a football player, the only way you're going to make some money is doing something illegal, selling some contraband or, you know, whatever. Because the only thing they think is big money or no money. They don't even have the work ethic. I use, Many of them don't even have the work ethic going to work, nine to five, get a good education, get a good job. You know, a hard day's work deserves a hard day's pay. They don't have that work ethic. They think, why should I go to work for a McDonald's? Why should I go for Burger King, make $7? I, I, I should get $15. Out. You, you ain't even worth 15 hours. You ain't even worth 10. Actually, you're not worth seven. But that's just the minimum wage. Yeah, so they don't even have a work ethic. So, so then they look at Michael Jordan, they look at Dwayne Wayne or somebody like that or uh, Kobe Bryant, and they figure, hey, you know what? If I can't get this way, I'll get it another way. But if they saw that other African-American people, like themselves, they came from the same situation, like themselves, went to school, got educated, play sports, or maybe they want to become a doctor or whatever, a philosopher, an educator, scientist, and make big money, then they will begin to see, hey, you know what, maybe, maybe I can do something too. And that's one reason why, although I don't agree with a lot of his policies, the biggest thing Barack Obama did, President Obama did, was become President of the United States. The fact that he became President of the United States to me, was the biggest thing he could ever do. The, in spite of all of the, the uh, Affordable Hair Care Act and all that stuff, I mean, which is still up in the air. I mean, we're doing it, but there's a lot of issues with it. The biggest thing he did was, was demonstrate that, yeah, an African-American can achieve something. 
even on the highest level in the country. So that's right. that's my comment on that. And so that's why I say, you know, Black History Month is not a myth. We don't have to sit, sit around and think about, well, you know, they said George Washington Carver did all this, but I don't see no black people owning no peanut butter company. They said Charles Drew did all this, but I don't see no black people running no blood bank. Mm-hmm. Right? They said that Percy Julian established all these chemical stuff, but I don't see no black guys selling no hydrocortisone. All I see is white folks. So it becomes almost a myth, like being the gods, seeing the gods, reading about the gods of Greek mythology, Thor, Zeus, Atlas, Mercury. Because ain't nothing happening physical here. Ain't no real production going on here. Black people don't produce stuff. We're consumers. We just like gnats, man. We consume everything. You throw a piece of doo-doo out on the ground, the gnats will consume it in a short period of time. That's how we are. We're the most doo-doo-eating people on the planet. We don't produce nothing. Only thing we produce is babies and a bunch of headaches. And then we start looking at history at a different light, and we start putting that out on a continuous basis, maybe we'll see a difference in 25 years. I agree. I, I, I most definitely agree. Okay, we're going to uh, finish up. No, go ahead on. I'm, I'm, go ahead on. Well, I was saying, and one thing I want to say is we need to put out the correct history as well. Some of us are still lost in the wind. Uh, and I was going to make a post on social media. We're talking about the Black Panthers. I mean, like I said, the Black Panthers, it's... It's hot right now on social media. Black Panther this, Black Panther that. And I love I love it. I love it. Yeah, come on, keep on spreading it. But one thing I wanted to say is if we're going to talk about any freedom movement in America, and a brother mentioned this in the, uh, the, the group, the Balayan Speak group on Facebook, he said, how come every time around Black History Month come around, you never hear or talk about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. You cannot mention anything. You can't talk about any freedom movement without mentioning Elijah Muhammad. Because as we know, the Black Panthers, they was all influenced by the nation of Islam. All we see here is Malcolm X. And as we know, Elijah Muhammad was Malcolm's mentor, Right? The Imam, Imam, what have you been, Muhammad's mentor. Now, with that being said, if we're going to, like this particular topic, and there's other topics, not just with Elijah Muhammad, it can be with Marcus Garvey, it can be with Noble Drew Ali. Us young people my age, like you said, we need to put it out there. We need to put it out there. And if we put it out there, we have to put the correct information, the correct history. We can't sidestep nothing, man. We need to put the correct information out there. 
Because some of us who who do put it out there, somebody taking it and they running with it, and it's the wrong deal. Yeah, but if you put the correct information out there, like I had suggested earlier, people don't want the correct information because now we got to put it out. We still need to put it out there. I know that that's one thing. That's one thing how you protect. That's one thing how you protect history. You just keep putting it out there. I agree. You keep putting it out there. Because if you don't do it, Shaitan gonna Shaitan gonna flood he gonna he Shaitan gonna do it every second. He gonna keep so putting now, it you, out there. You mentioned the Black Panthers, all these people, young people talking about the Black Panthers and, and I've seen people lately come on, yeah, they say the Black Panther was a revolutionary group, but they don't tell you that the Black Panther was out feeding people and stuff like that. They the one that started the head start program with the school lunches and stuff. And now that's true. But you know what? Why come you ain't out feeding people? You you using the Black Panthers as a as a baseball bat <laughs> to, to beat the white man over the head with it, but I can't get you to go down out here with me and feed the people. Why don't you talk about some of these other groups right now that are feeding the people? You talk about the Black Panthers like they only one fed people, nobody else ain't feeding people. It's African American groups all over America right now today. Uh, Muslims, Christians, and and non-religious denominations feeding people right now. So if you're so hung up on the Black Panthers and feeding people, why don't some of you Pan-African brothers, some of you Black Panther fist-toting brothers, why don't you go out there and feed somebody instead of running your mouth, blowing up hot air? That's, that's my message to some of these guys. These guys don't know about no Black Panthers. I knew about the Black Panthers. I knew Black Panthers. They lived in my neighborhood. They went. They used to congregate over Tennessee State back in the 60s. I knew they Black Panthers. See, I saw them all the time. You know what the Black Panthers used to do, brothers and sisters? Some of you ganja-smoking brothers, you know ganja? I know what ganja is. Some of you ganja-smoking brothers, some of you pipe-crack-smoking brothers, if you was living in the time of the Black Panthers, they'd bust you upside your head. Because the Black Panthers, that was one of the problems that the law enforcement didn't like. The Black Panthers was running the drug users and the, the and the and the pimps out of out of the community. I know they show you Huey Newton, Huey Newton, I said Clip Clip and and, and Elvis Cleaver getting high. I don't, I don't know about them, but Huey Newton quiet as the camp was a renegade. Elvis Cleaver was a renegade. He was new to look crack-smoking faggot, and Elvis Cleaver, a little wannabe black panther loving white women. Talking about white women like a dog that wouldn't marry one over in Europe. Yeah, they were renegades. The real black panthers was Hampton, Hampton, and the other brother in New York City. Those was the black panthers who started the real movement. And they assassinated them, and they sleep. What's the other brother's name? I'm, you, in, you said I'm in Oakland. I'm in, in Oakland, California. Hampton. You said Hampton and who else? I can't remember his other name. It was three of them. They were the captains and the leaders of the Black Panthers. Huey Newton came on late. He, he was a renegade. I said Oakland. And the brother, brother Imam Sadiq told me when Farrakhan went out there to see Huey Newton, he said Huey Newton was sitting up there in the penthouse all high and looking like a punk, 
act when I mean acting all sweet up there talking about he running something. What was Bobby? What happened to Bobby Seals? Bobby Seals, yeah, Bobby Seals was was one of the ones I couldn't get his name. Bobby Seals was real deal Black Panther. But the rest what about guys, what about Stokely Carmichael and all them? Man, Stokely Carmichael is a wannabe African American, wannabe revolutionary, ain't gonna bust a great. I, I met Stokely Carmichael. Look, I met Stokely Carmichael <laughs> in nineteen. Man, I met Stokely Carmichael in nineteen seventy-six. Stokely Carmichael didn't put nothing but a whole lot of. We got into a big debate. We got into a big debate. Me and Stokely Carmichael. He was one of the last of the revolution. He called his Kwame. What do you call it, Seth? Kwame and Kuma or whatever. Talking about he going to go live over in Africa. He talking all that stuff. Stokely Carmichael wasn't nothing but a wannabe revolutionary. He ain't never picked up no gun on nobody. You uh, uh, The other brother, uh, H. Rap Brown, who was a Black Panther brother down here in the South, he was down here and he basically became a Muslim. He, when he got in trouble with the law, but he became a Muslim, and he, and, he, and he, I think he went to jail and he got out of jail. And I think he back in jail again. But, I mean, he's an old man, but I think he shot at some police with us. I don't know. It was about six or seven, eight years ago. But those are the the, 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 the real so-called revolutionaries. But Huey, Huey Newton is not to be accepted as a model. Eldridge Cleaver is not to be accepted as a model. And Stokely Carmichael is not to be accepted as a model. I know because I lived in that era. I didn't meet Newton and Cleaver, although I heard about him coming to Nashville. But I met Stokely Carmichael and even had a, a torrid debate against with him. And at the end, I tried to say, okay, with Stokely, we're, we're, in, the same, we're in the same struggle. Because I was in the nation of Islam. I was coming out of the nation of Islam. You know what Stokely told me? He knocked my head down and said, we're not in the same struggle. Well, I told him, I'm, gonna say, well, I'm not going to say on the radio what I told him. But he had his little game of thugs. And of course, I had my little nation of Islam thugs, too, with me. So it wasn't going to be nothing. It was going to be something. You know, don't, don't start nothing if you don't want to don't do nothing. That's kind of how it was back then. We're talking about 40 years ago. So a lot of young people just caught up in the fantasy of Black Panther. They're caught up in the in the, the glamour of being a revolutionary. Now, the revolution had already came, man, and gone. Y'all late. That's, that's the message to the young people. You're late. You missed the revolution, and it wasn't televised. The only thing you can do now is clean up and start building, because everything else is gone. Ain't nobody going out and do no revolution, nothing. Stop it, forget it. You're fantasizing. You, I think you're hallucinating on drugs. The United States of America went to war with their own brothers and sisters to keep this union whole. The South tried to break away from the union. Don't you know they had brothers and sisters and cousins in the North? They went to war against their own brothers and sisters and cousins to hold this union together. Now, if you know they would fight their own brothers and sisters, because you think they're going to give you niggas some land down south so you can go build a nation? You done lost your fool mind. They go to war before they give you Texas and Alabama or Mississippi. You done lost your mind. So the best thing the African American can do is get educated and build himself up 
And if he build himself up, he's going to automatically, when I say build himself step up, pardon me, build his mind up and build his spirit up. And if he does that, he's going to automatically make progress, not only for himself, but for his family and his future generations. That's my position, brother. I agree. Look, yeah, we're I listening to a new African. Let me say this. If you want to call in now, we got about 10 minutes, 646-668-8368. That's 646-668-8368. Go ahead on, Brother Shaheen. I'm listening to you. Yeah. I I mean, woo, you, you said some things that made me raise my eyebrow. I didn't know all those things about, well, I remember hearing things. I know Huey Newton was on drugs, uh, so we can say, yeah, his role, uh, we can't look at that as a role model because we're talking about the youth now. We we, we want these guys to be some uh, a moral, have a moral and, and stand with dignity as a black man in the future and leadership in this country. We don't want no... No dope pot smoker. So yeah, I will say, man. I I, I mean, the other things that you say about Stokely Carmichael, you know. <laughs> so we don't hear all that. Man, I we thought Stokely Carmichael. Stokely Carmichael was about six. Stokely Carmichael about six about six feet and weighed about a hundred pounds. He all and he going around hollering, screaming, man, I blow. I could blow on Stokely Carmichael, and he'll just fly away. But shut up, boy, and blow on him, and he'll just, just fly, float right out the room. I, you know, he's sitting over there with his legs all crossed, trying to have his little, little daishiki old man. You know, back in the day, I had on my trench coat, because I'm a Muslim, you know, and I had on my skull cap, and he was sitting over there with his, his gang or whatever, and they had on a bunch of African stuff talking about going to Africa, and they was talking about everybody at the school, man. Every time somebody says I'm Stokely, cut them down. And I told the comrade, I asked him, I said, boy, to be so little, you sure care a whole lot of hot ass. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Brother Shahi. Uh, I mentioned it early in the show. Um, Elijah Muhammad, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Nation of Islam, uh, how important is it to to bring up Elijah Muhammad? Give, give me your thoughts on that because it seems to every Black History Month or in history period, we don't talk about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And for me, listening from different imams, doing my little research, it's impossible to talk not talk about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the freedom movement in America. So give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, quickly, we got a few minutes left on the show. Elijah Muhammad should always be talked about in African-American history, and here's the reason why. Um, the fact that Martin Luther King was, was moving around and marching, even in the early 50s, him and also Roy Wilkins, uh, the group, it was just like Martin Luther King, but there were other African-American groups as well, in a coalition to put pressure on the United States government to give the so-called Negro, more freedom. Basically, it's, it's an offshoot of what Elijah Muhammad was doing, and even before him, what uh, Marcus Garvey was doing, although Marcus Garvey was more interested in 
create economics and then taking that economics and black people or African people and leaving America and going back to Africa. Whereas Elijah Muhammad was more concerned with trying to get the freedoms and justice and equality here in the United States. And his constant pressure, his constant lectures, his constant development of what would look like an inner nation with eventually the explosion of the nation of Islam in the 60s and the coming out of Malcolm Shabazz, um, El Haj, uh, uh, Malik Shabazz, known as Malcolm X, that put a lot of pressure not only on the African-American uh, civil rights movement, but also on the American government establishments around the country. Because then you had a situation, you know, either you're going to give the African-American freedom or equality with Martin Luther King, or the African-American finally is frustrated. He's going to forget about demonstrating peacefully, and he's going to move over here with these nations of Islam Muslims, and ain't no telling what hell going to break loose. So the American political situation and the, and the government situation had to come to grips and say, look, man, over here we beat these people up, and the whole world is looking at how we treat these people, sticking dogs on them, shooting water on them, beating them up with billy clubs, arresting them, arresting them, throwing them in jail. Then you got these nations of Islam Muslims talking about we ready, if we have to, defend our people. You got all these different groups around the world could come and support these nations of Islam Muslims. So now we got to make a decision. We got to make a decision quick. So you had two sides working, putting pressure on the American government. It's easier to accept Martin Luther King's way and integrate the Muslim in, I mean the, the African-American in or the Negro in, to integrate him into the American system and give him the same equality and freedom than to be, continue to be obstinate and rebellious and downright evil and let all the people move over to the nation of Islam and then you can wind up having a nation, a, a nationwide civil unrest. So when you look at the influence of uh, Elijah Muhammad constantly telling the African American, "You're somebody, you're a man, you're free, God is with you. Stand up, clean yourself up, do for self." That had a big impact on the civil rights movement, though it's not talked about in the literature. So that's that's my input on that. Again, you're listening to a new African. Uh, you can call in if you want to, 646-668-8368. That's 646-668-8368. But, Shahi, we got a couple of minutes. Give me about a minute just to find a word on this, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, end the show. Well, Again, I say, yes, we need black history, uh, and if we're going to talk about black history, we need to include everything that was, that that, that progressed for the African American. Uh, like I said, as an individual, I look at black history, I also look at African history as well. It's whatever how you break it down. We can talk for, I mean, we can talk for days. The books will be filled up if we go with African and African-American history. Um, so any young people that's listening, 
whenever you get a chance, you, any information you get, make sure you do some thorough research. Put it on social media. We know social media is very powerful right now. I mean, you can put something on social media and get hit instantly. Uh, it is Black History Month. It shouldn't be a month. Let's do it black. We're going to start calling it Black 365. Black 365, that should be the name. Put it out there. Whenever you get a chance, flood it because that's one way to protect the history. You have to put it out there. Uh, that's my thoughts. And I soon as, <laughs> later on, I'm going to put someone. I'm going to talk about Elijah Muhammad. Uh, I'm going to put it on Facebook. In fact, I'm going to flood it. I'm going to flood my whole social media. So you out there listening, do the same. Love yourself. Love love your culture. Learn about your history. And enlighten yourself because learning about enlightening yourself will make you a better man, a better human being, and you will move forward. You was, I mean, I like I said, I was always fascinated, fascinated about African and African American history. Well, that's, that's made, good, brother. I, that's I good, made brother D's. Shahid. Go ahead, on. I made D's all through history, but right <laughs> now I got I got books, I got books, and I'm I'm I I, I keep a book, I read. And one good book I say read one one book I would say to read is Roots. Y'all have been listening to read Roots. Don't look don't look to the uh, don't look at the the, t- the mini series. Read the actual book. Read Roots because Roots is a very good book to read. Okay, on that note, on that note, brother Shahi, we're gonna have to end the show. Uh, this has been a new African. We've been discussing uh, African-American History Month, myth or meaning. I think we both agree that African-American History Month has definitely a lot of meaning and is not myth. We'd like to thank, we'd like to thank everyone who tuned in to listen to this broadcast, and we give you the greetings of peace in the Quran and Arabia language. As-salamu alaykum. Have a good evening. You have been listening to the New African Broadcast, a media program dedicated to the consciousness and the positive moral growth of the black youth of America. Thank you for giving us your attention and tune in to our next broadcast. Assalamu alaikum.